Welcome back, guys. Today is the third episode of the Football MD Podcast. Today is the 16th of July, and I am Dan Ronan, joined with my co-host, as always, Mike Bowling. We thank you for joining us. We hope you continue to do so. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at footballmd or footballmdpodcast.com. You can find all of our information at any of our social media or website. On today's episode of the Football MD Podcast, Dan and myself, we're going to finish out our running back rankings with running backs 13 through 24. After that, we're going to talk about some running back sleepers that we have going into 2018. And then we're going to discuss some backfields by committee, find out which running backs we like on some teams that have some murky running back situations. And as always, we're going to end our episode with a listener question. This week's question comes in from Mysterious underscore Stranger on the Fantasy Life app. But real quick, before we start our show, we do want to cover some breaking news that came out this week around the NFL, starting with DeMarco Murray retiring. He finished with a grand total of 99 games played, 1,604 carries for 7,174 rushing yards, 9,339 all-purpose yards, 49 rushing touchdowns, 55 total touchdowns. He was a three-time Pro Bowler, he was a first-team All-Pro, and he led the NFL in rushing in 2014. Throughout his career, he played for the Dallas Cowboys, Philadelphia Eagles, and Tennessee Titans. He really had an awesome career, definitely with some ups and downs, but he was everything that you could ask for in a starting halfback. He had the ability to run, catch, he had enough breakaway speed, and the size and strength to carry not only the hits that come in the NFL, but a full workload of playing every down. The second major event this week was the supplemental draft. In our post on Instagram, you would have seen I broke down the two major picks, and the first one being to the New York Giants, Sam Beal in the third round. I think they got an excellent value. I graded this pick as an A-. He offers you good technique. He's 6'1", 187, 447, 40. He's not the strongest cornerback, but he is a you know man-to-man outside cornerback with decent size and good speed. He was set to be a First, second round pick next year, top three or five guy in the cornerback position next year if he waited for the draft. So to give up a third round pick, that shows great value for the Giants. The other major pick was Adonis Alexander. Now, Adonis Alexander from Virginia Tech going to the Washington Redskins is a little bit more of a questionable pick. But they have Gray, the former coach at Virginia Tech is now on the staff for the Washington Redskins. So there's that connection. And he offers you good size and strength, 6'3", 200 pounds. He's a little bit slower with some personality question marks at the same time. He offers you a strong corner who can man press the stronger, larger wide receivers in the NFL, such as Julio Jones. Definitely needed in today's game. And they only give up a sixth round pick, the Washington Redskins. So those are the two good steals of the uh, supplemental draft this year. So just to recap real quick on last week's episode, our top 12 consensus running backs came in as Bell, Zeke, Gurley, David Johnson, Leonard Fournette, Melvin Gordon, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Saquon Barkley, Kareem Hunt at 10, Jarek McKinnon number 11, and Jordan Howard number 12. So now let's get into 13 through 24. Coming in as our running back 13 is LaShawn McCoy. McCoy actually came in my top 12 running backs. He's number 11 in my rankings, but 13 in our consensus. So we discussed him last episode. If you want to hear a little bit more about him, go back and listen to that. Obviously, there's the allegations surrounding McCoy at this current time. So we're not going to dive too far into those until we get more facts out of the NFL. But for now, he's coming in as running back 13. So we'll move right on to number 14 in our consensus rankings. That's going to be Devonta Freeman. Freeman has been highly productive in his time with the Atlanta Falcons. He came in behind Steven Jackson, waited patiently for his turn, and took off with a three-touchdown game the first game he started. Ever since then, he's been lights out. He catches the ball, he runs the ball, but the problem is they have such a good back in Tevin Coleman that Devonta Freeman does not get as much usage as a premier back. Although he has the skill set to be a premier back, we have him just outside that top tier because he doesn't get the usage 
and Tevin Coleman's not going anywhere, so he will continue to not see that top-tier usage, but that is the only thing holding him back, so for us, 14. Yeah, I mean, last year he finishes the running back 13, even though he missed two games. One thing that, I mean, maybe you can speak a little bit more to this than I can is you're a Falcons fan. His targets actually dropped from 65 to 47 last season, and his red zone carries dropped from 27 to 19 last season. Now, I know you're a big Tevin Coleman fan. He's going into a contract year. Do you think he might be cutting into Freeman's workload even more, or do you think Freeman's going to take some of that load back? No, actually, I think Tevin Coleman will even get more usage, and it upsets me as a Falcons fan. I honestly would prefer Tevin Coleman to be our lead back, regardless of how good Devonta Freeman is and how productive he's been is, has been great for us. But Tevin Coleman, 6'1", runs downhill, 220-some pounds. He's got the size to be a feature NFL back. Freeman is, don't get me wrong, he's got the skill set. He's got everything you want. He just doesn't have that size. He's not as fast as Tevin Coleman. What I think they do is they already paid Freeman. They committed to him for the long run. I think what you do is you give Coleman as much work as possible this year. So if he does leave him free agency, you got as much work out of him as you can. and Some you, fresh legs on Freeman. And then keep Freeman fresh for when you don't have Tevin Coleman as your number two guy, which could be next season, unfortunately. I hate to say that. Like, I hate to think about it that way because I don't want to see him go, but it's highly possible. And for that reason, I think that kind of just takes Devonta Freeman out of top five consideration at the position. Definitely. That makes there. a lot of sense, but it's a sad because he has been that good. If you see his stats, if you see the numbers he puts up. He looks amazing on tape. If you watch He's his so film, good, he and it's that low center of gra gravity, good balance, hard to take down. Mike Daniels of the Packers on the top 100 list calls him Sonic because the way he moves he's so fast and it's great to watch it's good football but unfortunately can't put him up high any higher because of the usage now coming in at number 15 for our consensus running backs is Christian McCaffrey McCaffrey the running back 11 last year in PPR scoring he had 100 carries and 100 targets in 2017 he was super consistent for PPR formats especially my only concern here is that was 22.6 percent of the Carolina Panthers targets. Now we have a healthy Greg Olson coming back. We have DJ Moore who is taken in the draft. I think he'll still be around 100 targets, but I'm not really sure how much those two new receiving options are going to be cutting into McCaffrey's workload. Another concern that I have with McCaffrey is the Panthers actually haven't had a 1,000-yard rusher since 2009. Cam Newton led the Carolina Panthers last year with 754 rushing yards. So I do think, especially with the addition of C.J. Anderson, that it's going to be tough for him to hit that 1,000-yard mark. However, he will continue to be extremely consistent in the passing game. Yeah, Christian McCaffrey came out of Stanford. He's really that jack-of-all-trades. The problem is you question his size, his ability to run in between the tackles. I don't feel any more comfortable about it now, being that they went out and signed C.J. Anderson in the offseason. That tells me that maybe they question it a little bit. Maybe they're not 100% convinced that he could be a three-down workhorse back in the NFL. Maybe they only see him as a scat back, only as a pass-catching back. And that worries me because that will limit him to never being a top-tier running back if he can't get that top-tier usage. It's the same thing with Devonta Freeman, but at least we know Freeman can run in between the tackles. It seems to me that concern for Christian McCaffrey is apparent. Like I said, if they went out and signed C.J. Anderson, that's the only reason why he can't be in that top tier as well. Yeah, especially for draft value that you're going to get out of McCaffrey. Once they got rid of Jonathan Stewart, McCaffrey's average draft position shot way up. After they signed C.J. Anderson, it didn't drop down at all. I think C.J. Anderson, at this point in Jonathan Stewart's career, is probably the better running back. He had 1,000 yards last season with the Denver Broncos. I definitely think that he's more of a threat than Jonathan Stewart was to his carries last year. Especially on first and second down, that's when C.J. Anderson's going to make the difference. When Now that they're not going to be asking C.J. Anderson to do that pass catching, being in on passing plays type of work, he can just focus on running in between the tackles. That's what he thrives at. So honestly, great for the Panthers backfield that they have a nice little one-two punch going there. But as far as Christian McCaffrey getting the top tier usage and the usage necessary to be a top tier guy, I just don't see it occurring. So we'll move right on to our number 16th ranked guy in our consensus rankings, and that is Joe Mixon. Now with Joe Mixon, there's a lot of question marks in my opinion. He is a very, very talented runner. We know that he has everything you want as far as speed breakaway capability the shiftiness the size and the power he could be a premier back in the nfl here's a couple problems the main one being the Bengals as a team 
you don't really know what you're getting as far as the blocking situation losing the left tackle Whitworth was a huge loss now he's on the Rams you just don't know how good the offense is going to be pretty much Andy Dalton is very inconsistent the only consistent part of that offense has been AJ Green that to me is just leaves another question mark and also Giovanni Bernard it seems that no matter what Bernard carves out a role for himself every year he may not be super involved but he gets touches he gets work he gets uh, you know he's on on the field so that will always limit joe mixon's production as long as bernard is still has some kind of role i think mixon has the capability of being a premier back and that seems to be the theme here with these guys right outside the top 12 and the inside the top 15 is that they have the skill set to be a top tier guy they just don't really get the usage necessary Yeah, and they gave Giovanni Bernard a new contract going into this season. So, in my opinion, that shows they plan on keeping him around. And, of course, the offensive line, as Dan alluded to, is an issue. They did sign left tackle Cordy Glenn this offseason from the Buffalo Bills. So, obviously, you like to see that. But I still don't trust that offensive line for somebody that I'm going to be ranking in my top tier of running backs. And I think he tried to do just a little bit too much with his carries last year. He's obviously an amazing athlete, and that may have worked in college. But in the NFL, it just doesn't really work that way. Yeah, and just to recap, Joe Mixon, like I said, he has the he has the ability, but it's really just about the usage and the inconsistency from the whole Bengals team. They have talent on the team. I don't mean to break away. I know we're discussing our rankings, but it's always been a question of mine. I think they have talent. A.J. Green, I always think they have a talented defense. Andy Dalton may not be an elite quarterback. I hate people using that word, but I'll use it here. He's not an elite quarterback. But he's a serviceable, serviceable, good quarterback that, let's just say this, we've seen worse quarterbacks win Super Bowls and be yeah. successful in the NFL given the right situation. There's plenty of teams in the league that would like to have Andy Dalton as, as their quarterback. Yes, for sure. And, and that, that's what I'm getting at there. So I just, I, it's a, it upsets me a little bit that they kind of I see, label them as underachievers a little bit. But that seems to be why we hold Mixon back a little. So we'll move on now to Alex Collins. Alex Collins comes in at number 17. Alex Collins, I guess he's the first one to switch the trend. He's the guy who does get all the usage. He might not have that elite caliber running style. He doesn't measure well. He didn't get drafted high in in the NFL draft, but he's just a workhorse guy. He looks like he's out there all three downs, catching the ball, running the ball, running people over, running around people, breakout speed. He just, he really has everything you want in the back, and he's been productive ever since he got there and got a hold on that league rushing running back role. He kind of ran away with it. He pretty much should have had it for the Seahawks prior to that. They didn't want to give it to them. And now he went to the Ravens, and he's that third down, three down back. He could do it all. I like him. In fact, I can even see him finishing a little bit higher than this. For me personally, I had him at 14, so I had him a little bit higher. But in our consensus rankings, comes in at 17. Yeah, and that's mainly because he comes in at 19 for me. I love the player. I love the opportunity. And I felt like in 2017, everyone was waiting for Alex Collins to fall off. But he continued to play well. And looking back at his stats from last season, from weeks 10 to 17, he was the running back 10 in points per game. He became much more involved in the passing game after the Ravens buy in week 10. From that point, he received seven targets, Two targets, two targets, two targets, eight targets, four targets, and six targets in the last seven games of the season. So you definitely like to see that from a running back. I do have a little bit of concern with Kenneth Dixon on the roster. I do think he's a talented running back, but I think he's going to have to earn his spot back. And as long as Alex Collins doesn't struggle, I see that being pretty difficult for Dixon to do so. And I definitely like what the Ravens have done in the offseason. They signed John Brown, who can stretch the field. They brought in Michael Crabtree, who's probably going to be pulling two guys in the red zone. Drafted Hayden Hurst, who's going to move around the formation. They have Mark Andrews. They have Willie Sneed. It's going to be pretty tough for teams to key on Alex Collins in 2018. So we'll move on straight to number 18, where we have Derrick Henry. We talked about Derrick Henry a lot last episode. Dan is much higher than I am on him, or I'm much lower than Dan is on him, however you want to look at that. So we're not really going to discuss him on this episode. If you want to hear more about Derrick Henry, tune into last week's episode. Moving on to number 19, we have Rashad Penny, who I personally love going into this season. He's currently going at the back of the third round. I think that's pretty good value for him. Of all running backs coming out of the draft this year, Pro Football Focus had him rated as the number one in elusive rating, which he's definitely going to need behind that Seahawks offensive line. I know that that is going to be a huge issue for him being elite this year, but I really do believe in the talent of this guy. 
the Seahawks reached for him in the first round, so it seems like they believe in the talent that he has as well. And looking back at 2017, Seattle only had four rushing touchdowns last season, which if you follow us on our social media accounts, you would have seen our stat of the day. Three of those four rushing touchdowns came from Russell Wilson. Now looking at Penny's stats from college in his last two seasons at San Diego State, he had 3,266 yards and 34 touchdowns. Obviously, college is not the NFL, but I think he is a dominant runner with the skill set that's needed to succeed in the Seahawks offense. And I think he's going to be a value in drafts this year going right around the fourth round. For me, I wasn't really pressed with Penny as far as when I do my own draft analysis, my own draft work. I totally overlooked him. I know that he was super productive, but he didn't jump out of the screen at me. So I kind of I didn't fall in love with him. I will say I like teams that go up and they quote unquote reach for players because a lot of times, yeah, it might be a questionable pick, but a lot of times it's because they do their due diligence, they do their homework, they figure out and they actually fall in love with a guy. For example, as far as Atlanta Falcons, you guys know I'm a Falcons fan. A couple years ago, Keanu Neal rated in the second round. Atlanta takes him 17th, 19th overall, I believe it was 17th. Honestly, it was a great pick. He's been a tremendous player. Lights out, in-the-box safety for them, up-and-coming safety in the NFL, arguably could be one of the better safeties in the league, if not yet, then soon. That's the same thing with Penny. I like the fact that Seattle went up, got their guy, got the guy they like. So that's the only thing I could say for him, and he's got real no competition for the lead back role. So as far as from a fantasy perspective, that gives him a bump for me as far as in our rankings, because when somebody doesn't really have competition, he becomes very attractive. It's going to be Penny, and you know that. They drafted him high. They didn't assign nobody else, draft anybody else. They just took Penny. That's going to be their feature back. That's why I would like him if you were high on him. For me, I'm a little bit lower, but that's just because of what Mike said. The offensive line's not great. Russell Wilson's going to open that up for him a little bit, at least. Hopefully, um, but I also think Russell Wilson would just kind of take that and Steal just run with it. Yeah, he's just going to do a lot. <laughs> that's why he is rated number two as, as on our quarterback rankings, and he's not moving from there. No one's going to dethrone him from two. Nope. So the, I, we could be sure of that. So he's going to put in a lot of work. Penny's not going to have, have to do much, but being that he's the only back there, I can see why people like him so much. We'll move on. Right after Penny, we have Geis. Geis comes in at number 20 for us on our consensus rankings. I'm a little bit higher of him. I have him two spots ahead at 18. That's because I think he's a combination of the right situation and top-tier talent. I think he could be could have been a top pick in this NFL draft. He slid a little bit, but he's a dynamic runner. Played at LSU. Obviously, we know about LSU. They play in the SEC. They play one of you know the toughest schedules, the toughest teams every single year. So he's battle tested. He's ready to go. And you know, on the Redskins, I think there's no premier back like that. I think the only thing hurting him there is Chris Thompson. Thompson, obviously, he's the pass-catching back, and he's carved out an, a very efficient role for himself. So I don't see that going somewhere. But at the same time, I could see the majority of the work going to Geis. Geis is a talented guy. He could be a three-down back. Yeah, you basically covered everything that I would say about Geis. I do have some concerns about Chris Thompson. We saw his involvement in the passing game last year. But I do think that Darius Geis is the best running back on that team. I'm going to say this time and time again, the cream rises to the top in the NFL. I think he's going to take over that backfield, and I could see him finishing as a top 12 guy at the position. That wouldn't surprise me at all. So definitely a ton of upside baked in there with Darius Geis. Moving on to our 21st ranked running back, we have Jay Ajayi. Ajayi is currently going right around the back of the third, early fourth round. My main concern with Ajayi is that the Eagles, we saw last year, they like to use multiple running backs. I think they're going to continue to do so. And I think he can be a little bit boom or bust, depending on if he gets touchdowns or has a huge yardage game. What I do like about Jay Ajayi is that there's 173 carries vacated with Blunt leaving town. Majority of those should go to Ajayi. And last year, after switching teams halfway through the season, he only had 70 carries with the Eagles, but he was extremely productive on those carries. He averaged 5.8 yards per carry. So I think just for the upside of being on a prolific offense, you'll hear us say that time and time again, that we love to target running backs on good teams. I think that sets up a ton of opportunity for Jay Ajayi to have a great season for your fantasy team. You know, he's definitely the best back in that backfield, in my opinion. 
Really, you're not gonna go with your boy Corey Clement? I love Corey Clement as a sleeper, but I'm gonna stick. I'm gonna stick with the Jai on this one. Cool. Clement's my sleeper. Don't tell everyone about him, man. That's my guy. <laughs> yeah, well, um, no, I, I agree. Ajayi is definitely, in my opinion, the best back in the backfield there now. And my thing with Ajayi, I've watched him for a little while. He doesn't have necessarily the top-tier rushing skill that you want. He's not a top-tier elite type of back, I guess you would say. But if you know how to use Ajayi, his running style is very, is very effective. He might not break off huge home run touchdown runs because... He kind of can't run away from you. He doesn't really have the breakaway speed that you want in a an elite running back. But he has enough power to carry the pile and get the nitty-gritty yards and dirty work done. So I like Ajay's game, and I think, like you said, those 170 carries plus what he already had, those 70 carries, mm-hmm. maybe not exactly that, but that's a good idea, maybe 200 touches. That, to me, is reasonable, and to me, you'll get enough production out of him, especially, in my opinion, in the go- down by the goal line. Obviously, with Carson Wentz there, they're obviously going to be passing the ball, putting the ball in Carson Wentz's hands a lot. He runs as well, so you can miss out on some touchdowns and some scoring because it's a very well-rounded offense. I think as long as you, because you are going to be drafting him as a running back two, he might be the running back three on your team, but you're drafting him to be a running back two, and I think that's right where he'll finish. So as long as you are drafting him with that in mind and you're okay with some inconsistent weeks, I think you'll be pretty happy with what you get out of Ajayi through 2018. Moving on to our 22nd overall running back, we have Sony Michelle. Michelle is the first running back that the Patriots really put significant stock in in a long time. Historically, the Patriots don't target running backs early in the draft, and their more recent running backs have been Ridley, Vereen, Blunt, Gillisley, Burkhead, Lewis, James White. None of them are really true three down backs in my opinion. They're all very good at playing specific roles in an offense, which is what the Patriots typically look for. However, I do believe that Michelle is a true three down back. A great pass blocker. He can catch passes out of the backfield. The main concern that I have with Sony Michelle is his fumbling issues. We know that Bill Belichick is not one to tolerate fumbles. However, they did put significant stock in this pick. So if he does fumble a few times earlier in the season, I do think that he'll have a little bit longer of a leash than guys like Mike Gillisley had last year, but that is definitely a concern because I also wouldn't be surprised if he fumbles twice in the first few weeks of the season and he's on the bench for the next few games. And they do have still have Rex Burkhead, they have James White, Jeremy Hill still on the team, Gillisley, I think one of those two uh, guys will be cut. I think the major concern about Sonny Michelle was he was not even the best running back to come out of Georgia in this draft. Yeah. So I, I, I like I like Sonny Michelle, I do. The problem with Sonny Michelle to me is he's getting too much hype of being similar size and stature and running ability to Alvin Kamara. And people like to compare you and they like these player comps and you say Alvin Kamara, he's the hot trend. He was he was everything you wanted last year, you know, broke out onto the scene. Like I guess when I talked about him, I said every play was a highlight reel for Alvin Kamara. Every time he touched the football, he was in the end zone. Every time he touched the football, it was a 20, 30 plus yard gain. I mean, yeah, that's great. And I, I for Sonny Michelle's sake, I hope he is Alvin Kamara in his rookie season. I really do. I just don't see that being realistic. I also don't see somebody getting enough opportunity in that offense to be a top-tier running back through the longevity of the season. Now, here's the tricky part about the Patriots offense. Is he worth the draft drafting? Yes, because the thing is, one of their running backs is typically maybe not a top 12, but maybe a top 20 running back each week. You'll get one running back per week. Last year, it was Burkhead a couple of weeks, one, and then it's like... Well, Deion Lewis took that backfield over near the end of last season for sure. But Rex Burkhead had a couple at the end of the season with three touchdown games or two touchdown games at the end of the season. He had a run of them. So you never really know what you're going to get out of that backfield. And that's what bothers me. That's what scares me. I get that Sony Michelle seems to be the three down back type, but when's the last time that they use the three down back type in New England? It just doesn't really happen. I don't see them getting away from the guys they, they already have there. They play towards their strengths. They play a lot of different formations. Don't get me wrong, Sony Michelle and his usage will probably be very, very productive. Just how much usage he's going to get. And the player comparisons, as far as his size and stature, he's very much like Alvin Kamara in that way too. Alvin Kamara didn't have a lot of usage last year, but he was highly productive in the usage that he had. So maybe he can be just like Alvin Kamara. I don't know. But I just think best case scenario for me he actually comes in at 26, outside my top 25. So I'm a little bit lower on him. 
because I just I see why people are intrigued by the skill set. I just think it's a little overhyped right now. Yeah, I have him up at 18, especially just because I think that Brady, I know he's ranked pretty high in our consensus quarterback rankings. But I do think he is going to start to decline, and I think the Patriots know that, and I think they're going to game plan for that, which is a main reason why they wanted to bring Sony Michelle on. So I wouldn't be surprised if I see them rely in the run game a little bit. But like Dan said, you never really know with the Patriots, and their running backs have been fairly volatile, I guess is a nice way to put it, over the past few seasons. So we'll see how that turns out this year. And moving on to number 23, on our consensus rankings, we have Kenyon Drake. Now, I have Drake at 25, a couple of spots back, but I see why Mike is a little bit higher on him. I don't want to do it. And that's because everyone's pretty <laughs> much expecting him to break out as a lead back, dominant back this year. He has the skill set to be a, a premier back in the NFL, but we haven't really seen it. At Alabama, he was buried. He was behind Derrick Henry. He was by behind TJ Yeldon at times. So he's never really been that predominant back. When he got to the Dolphins, he didn't secure the job right away. That backfield was crowded. So now he at least he has an opportunity to do so. But being that we have yet to see it, I'm a little hesitant. That being said, the Dolphins, you know, they took, they also added Frank Gore. I'm not too worried about Frank Gore. I'm not too worried about their fourth round running back. I'll be honest, I don't even know the, his name off the top of my head. I just know that they picked one in the fourth round. So I get it. I get the hype. I'm not crazy about it. But I also believe that as far as the Dolphins are concerned, they're ready for him to be his their premier back. And that's enough, at least by my definition, to warrant being a top 24-25 player, uh, RB2, so to speak. Yeah, and honestly, Kenyon Drake comes in for me at number 22. I didn't even want to have him that high, but the further I dove into this player, I ended up moving him up. Initially, what I didn't like about him was I felt that he only produced due to volume. It took Damian Williams getting hurt for him to really take over that role in the offense. I think it was only 32 was the number, only 32 receptions on 50 targets. And like Dan said, they brought in Frank Gore. They drafted Kalen Balaj at the end of the fourth round. So it didn't really seem like they wanted him to be the guy on that team. I also don't expect the Dolphins to be a particularly good team in 2018, which is something you'll continuously hear us stress when we're discussing our running backs. However, in the final nine games of 2017, Kenyon Drake rushed 123 times for 619 yards and three touchdowns, averaging five yards per carry. As I mentioned, they drafted a running back in the back of the fourth round. I'm really not worried about Kalen Balaj. He didn't even start on his college team, and he is more of a pass-catching specialist, so maybe in PPR leagues, Kalen Balaj will be worked in a little bit more and cut into Drake's value. But overall, I think Drake is going to be given every opportunity to succeed in this backfield. However, the Dolphins did rank last in the league in rush attempts in 2017. The entire Dolphins running backs only totaled 395 touches. That averages out to 24.7 touches per game. Just for comparison, Le'Veon Bell alone averaged 27.1 touches per game in 2017. So that lo those low touch numbers are going to make it very difficult for Kenyon Drake to produce elite numbers. But I do think with the opportunity that he will receive in that offense, especially with Ryan Tannehill coming back, who I do think is a decent quarterback, definitely better than what they had last year. Yeah, just before we move on, I'll say for Kenyon Drake's sake, what does bode well for him is I think what happened in 2017 for the Dolphins, you could kind of scrap. I think signing Jake Cutler was a mistake. You should have just went with Matt Moore. He was the guy who understood the offense. He knew the offense better. Even if he struggled, I would have just rathered him because Jake Cutler, I get that he didn't know the team. He showed up out of the booth a week before the season started, and he was expected to just gel and be they were a playoff team in 2016. They, I could see them getting back to that if they put the ball in Drake's hand, let him run the ball. They have a good offensive line. If Ryan Tannehill comes back healthy, they have a de decent defense. So for Kenyon Drake's sake, hopefully they're not necessarily the team they were in 2017, and that would bode well for his fantasy value. Now moving on to the 24th ranked guy in our consensus rankings, we have Royce Freeman. He is the projected starter for the Denver Broncos. For me, Freeman coming out of Oregon, I like his game. I think he was a good back last year um, in college. But I'm a little concerned. Devontae Booker's still there. Their running game hasn't been super productive in the past few years. So some question marks there. But I definitely think he's the best talented back in the backfield there over Devontae Booker. And I think eventually he'll gain 
the lead back duties. It's just whether or not that position warrants, you know, that much production. I don't know. The running back for the Denver Broncos, I, I, I'm not too confident in that. I think definitely upgrade at the quarterback position this year with Case Keenan being there. Maybe that will benefit the run game as well because it's been tough to run for them, I'm sure, in the past few years with no real threat at quarterback. Um, so that's the only thing. If if Case Keenum can distribute the ball a little bit better, maybe he won't. they won't have such stacked boxes to play against, and maybe that can improve the run game. Hopefully, Royce Freeman do a little bit better, and he can definitely finish inside RB2. But just to say, he does have some risk factor to him. If he comes out and he can't j- grab the starting job, or if he struggles and can't get the job, and Booker can take the job back from him, then he could end up falling way down the ranking. So although you know he has the upside, he also has some risk f- to him, which makes him a perfect 24. Yeah, and I know the Denver Broncos run game really hasn't been much talked about in the last few years, but last year, C.J. Anderson actually rushed for 1,000 yards, which may have been the quietest 1,000-yard season of all time. As you alluded to, there's a huge improvement with Case Keenum now at the helm, and I think people are kind of underestimating the Broncos' offense. I think even Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas are going to be much more productive this season. He kind of reminds me of like a diet Jordan Howard <laughs> in a way. He's not a spectacular pass catcher or anything like that. He's not super fast and doesn't have those game-breaking intangibles, but he has great vision, which is something that I don't you really can't teach that to running backs, and I think he's going to take hold of that opportunity. The Broncos have came out and said how they drafted the type of running back that they haven't had in some time, someone who can shoulder the load. And I know there's the issues with Devontae Booker still being there, but Booker had his chance in 2016. In 2017, they went back to C.J. Anderson, and they cut C.J. Anderson, and then drafted uh, Royce Freeman at the top of the third round. I also think the Broncos' offensive line is going to be much upgraded. Last year in free agency, they grabbed Ron Leary. They drafted Garrett Bowles in the first round, and now this is going to be their second year on that line together, maybe a little bit more cohesion between them and that should be much improved and that's only going to benefit Royce Freeman more. So just to recap 13 through 24 we have LaShawn McCoy at 13, Devonta Freeman at 14, Christian McCaffrey at 15, Joe Mixon at 16, Alex Collins at 17, Derrick Henry at 18, Rashad Penny at 19, Darius Geis at 20, Jay Ajayi at 21, Sony Michelle at 22, Kenyon Drake at 23, and Royce Freeman at 24. So before we wrap up this episode of the Football MD Podcast, myself and Dan, we're going to cover some sleeper running backs that we really like going into 2018 that we think are being undervalued, and we're going to break down some running back committees that are making people tear their hair out going into this season. So I'll start off with my first sleeper. I have Marshawn Lynch. Lynch is currently going in the seventh round of PPR drafts. I think that's incredibly low for him. He's going around the running back 36 off the board. When last season, he only played in 15 games, and he finished in the top 24 at the running back position in 60% of those games. That's a higher percentage than running backs like Jordan Howard, Devonta Freeman, and Christian McCaffrey that made our top 24 at the position. So I definitely think that Marshawn Lynch could end up right around those guys. Also, looking at his stats from last year, he finished number one in yards after contact. So beast mode is still there. He's going to keep fighting for those yards. I love the offensive line in Oakland, and I think he's really going to benefit behind there. I'm not worried about Doug Martin. I know they still have Jalen Richard and DeAndre Washington. Not worried about those guys. And people are forgetting he was the running back 24 last season in only 15 games. So even if he's just as good or takes a slight step back this coming season, he's still going to provide much higher value than where you draft him. My next sleeper is Jordan Wilkins, drafted in the fifth round this year by the Indianapolis Colts. He currently has an ADP of 14.03. So going much deeper on this one, and I really like Wilkins. I think he's the most well-rounded back in the Colts' backfield. He's 6'1", 216 pounds. He's only 23 years old. And in his senior year at Ole Miss, he ran for 1,011 yards and nine total touchdowns. I know that there's concerns with Marlon Mack being the projected starter, but it seems like people are completely forgetting that he underwent surgery in May to, rep- to repair a torn labrum. So we still don't know what his status is going to be come September. And if that surgery and that injury from last season is going to affect his play. I know the Colts also drafted rookie running back Naeem Hines in the fourth round, so a round earlier. However, I think Hines, he is very explosive, 
but I think he's more of a pass-catching specialist, whereas Wilkins can do it all. I know it might be tough to really decipher the Colts' backfield, so my general strategy for teams like that, where you're not sure who the guy's going to be, but you know that someone is going to have value, which in an Andrew Luck-led offense, you know the running back should provide pretty decent value. I, you, I typically like to draft the cheapest guy. And Jordan Wilkins going in the 14th round. I think Naeem Hines is going two, three rounds earlier. And Marlon Mack is going all the way up in the fourth, fifth, sixth round. So I think for the upside that you could possibly get with a complete dart throw pick, especially with Robert Turbin down. I didn't even mention that. Robert Turbin was definitely in line to get some touches in that backfield. And now he's suspended for the first four games. So I think that opens the door even more for Jordan Wilkins to play behind that much improved offensive line on the Indianapolis Colts. Moving on to my top two sleeper picks. The first one is Carryon Johnson. I like Carryon Johnson. To me, it's all about in the move to go get him. I realize that it's very crowded there with LeGarrette Blunt, Amir Abdullah, Theo Riddick, who seems to consistently have a role. But Carryon Johnson, to me, is that three down back. He can do it all. He's got the athletic ability that you want. He can run. He can catch. He can. He's. I've seen him throw a f- touchdown pass at Auburn. So he's just a versatile guy. He can play all three downs. He has size, but he has speed. And if, when you watch his film at Auburn, he really is. He, he's a versatile three down back. And if he can bring that to the Lions, that could be. That's what's drastically needed being that they haven't had a 100-yard rusher in, I believe, over three seasons. They need to step it up in the run game, balance out their team a little bit. That'll benefit the Lions as a whole, especially Stafford, especially the wide receivers. So I think on Johnson, although you might have to wait on him a couple weeks. He, you, you know, you might draft him and he might be on your bench for the first few weeks. But if you give him the time to break out and uh, stash him there, maybe by week five, week six, he starts getting really involved. Definitely want to pick him a little bit later. You don't want to reach, but could definitely be a sleeper. And sorry, just to interject in there real quick. I love how Dan said you might have to wait on this guy. And that's the case with a lot of sleepers. You might have to wait on them a few weeks. I know it might be hard to wait, especially right around week four and the guy's still not really producing for your team. One thing that I like to do when I am waiting on a guy is to check snap percentages. See if he's getting on the field. See if his snap percentages are going up. See if there looks like there's gonna be an opportunity for him to start producing. So don't just get down on yourself if the guy's not producing for you early. Check to see if it looks like there's gonna be a lane for him to get some more involvement. I definitely agree with that because in my opinion, from a coaching standpoint, before putting you on the field and getting you the ball, the coach wants to put you on the field and make sure that you're in the right position, you have your assignments known, and then once they're comfortable with you being in the right place at the right time, then they'll start to work and get you the ball. So like you said, if you're on the field, maybe not right away it's resulting in touches, but being on the field is a good way to see whether you know you have or, have or are going to have an opportunity. So moving on, same type of deal. My second guy is Nick Chubb. I think Nick Chubb was the better back coming out of Georgia. He's bigger and he's faster. He's a rare combination of size and speed. I think he's a great back, Nick Chubb. He was my favorite back in the entire draft this year. I honestly thought he was second to Saquon Barkley. I'm well aware of the competition there in Duke Johnson and Carlos Hyde. Carlos Hyde, obviously, uh, running back nine last year, super productive, top tier guy. I get it, but at the same time, I think it's a young man's game. I think Nick Chubb is an elite type of athlete. I just said that. His size and speed is a rare combination. I just think Nick Chubb brings you everything you want. Again, so being that he's battling for a position, and I'll say I know that Duke Johnson is not going anywhere, but that's a more pass-catching role. Not that I don't think Nick Chubb can do that, but just that being that Duke Johnson is already there and solidified, they're not going to ask him to do that. So... Nick Chubb, yeah, you know, he's going in the eighth round. I think you can get good value there. And if you take him, like I said, you're going to wait on him a couple weeks. But he's, in my opinion, the best talent in that backfield and eventually will have that spot. Yeah, I definitely agree. I like where he's going in drafts. I think that kind of upside you really can't find once you get into the eighth, ninth, tenth rounds. So definitely somebody to keep on your radar, especially depending on what we see from him in the preseason. Now moving on to some murky backfields that myself and Dan are going to try to decipher, break down the running backs and what kind of opportunity we expect them to have in 2018, and hopefully help you guys 
find which player you would like to target in drafts. I'm going to be starting with the Miami Dolphins backfield. Obviously, myself and Dan, we have Kenyon Drake ranked higher than the other two running backs in that backfield. So we do expect him to be the lead back. However, it is worth noting that the Dolphins did bring in Frank Gore, who will just never die. He will be 35 years old entering the 2018 season, which obviously is an age that's alarming for running backs. However, looking back at his career, he's been as consistent as could be. Since 2005, he's had nine seasons with over 1,000 yards and only four seasons where he failed to eclipse that mark. Of those four seasons, in all but one, he rushed for over 850 yards. So just 150 yards away from the 1,000-yard mark. And that one season where he didn't even rush for, for 850 yards was his first season in the NFL as a rookie. And that signing alone makes me feel like the Dolphins don't fully trust completely handing the keys over to Kenyon Drake. Combine that with the Dolphins' fourth-round draft pick this year, Kalen Balaj. When they initially made that pick, I thought this was going to be extremely detrimental to Kenyon Drake, especially since Balaj looks like a bruising running back. He's six two, 229 pounds. However, going back and watching film from him in college, you can see that he's clearly more of a pass-catching specialist and not someone that I'm really too worried about cutting into Drake's workload, especially since the Dolphins didn't put any significant capital into the pick. So although there are some factors that might cut into Kenyon Drake's workload going into 2018, I think he is the clear running back that you want to target in drafts. Again, he makes our top 24, so we definitely have some pretty positive outlooks for the player. Regarding Frank Gore and Kalen Balaj, if you were looking for a handcuff, this is the same strategy that I employ in every backfield situation, as mentioned with the Colts. I'll take the guy who's cheaper, and currently that's Frank Gore. He's going in the 14th round, whereas Kalen Balaj is going in the late 12th, early 13th. So for that price, I'm just taking a dart throw on a guy that might step into a situation if Kenyon Drake can't handle the workload, I would go for Frank Gore. Moving on to the Philadelphia Eagles. This is another backfield where we have one of their running backs ranked in our top 24. They have Jay Ajayi. Like we mentioned earlier, he was extremely efficient with the few carries that he did get with the Eagles last year. And remember, he was learning a new offense. So I'm almost willing to throw out Jay Ajayi's 2017 season. We can't really go off too much from what we saw. I don't think he joined the team until week eight. So definitely trying to cut him some slack there. However, I know they have Donnell Pumphrey, who's probably going to get some touches. Not worried about him at all. The guy that I really want to talk about is Corey Clement. I actually love Clement going into this season as a sleeper pick. He's not somebody that I think is going to steal the job from Jay Ajayi. But if there does happen to be an injury to Ajayi or if Ajayi has to miss time for any reason, I think Clement is going to step right into that role. And he really fills all of the things that I look for in later round picks. He's a talented player. He's on a prolific offense. And as mentioned earlier when we were discussing Jay Ajayi, there's 173 carries available with Blunt leaving town. I do think most of those carries will go to Jay Ajayi, but I wouldn't be surprised if a decent amount of those looks goes towards Corey Clement and he seems primed to outperform his ADP in the 10th round right now. The next team that we'll be covering is the Packers. The Packers backfield, obviously, you know, you have Williams, Aaron Jones, and Ty Montgomery. When I break it down, Aaron Jones' suspension, I think it really killed him. I think he definitely had an opportunity at the top spot, but being out for the first, I think, three to four weeks, he's going to miss that time. And not that somebody will guarantee to have the position by that point, but obviously that gives Williams and Ty Montgomery a little bit of a head start to that position. So Jones, I wouldn't really touch in a draft situation. Jamal Williams is the guy that I would probably stay away from. I would probably go with Ty Montgomery because Williams is being drafted a little bit earlier. He's drafted being drafted at the end of the uh, seventh round and he had a low yards per carry average I think he only had one carry over 10 yards last season which means he's not giving you a big play factor the only thing that will keep Jamal Williams on his, the field most of the time is his ability to pass protect he actually excels in pass protection which is valuable to teams so it'll always keep him on the field which will get him opportunities no doubt but I think when they're trying to run through the run game or when they are trying to even use the, the passing game from the backfield, I think the guy is going to be Ty Montgomery. I know like last year was kind of his first full year at the position, so he was learning and he had some injury concerns. Injury concerns are still going to be there, I'm sure, because he's had them throughout his career. Obviously, when you're talking about this backfield, no candidate is perfect. In my opinion, Ty Montgomery 
He has a good athletic ability, good skill set for the running back position, and he's been pretty productive when healthy for the Packers. So that's where I would go. I would go to Ty Montgomery, especially, like Mike said, being the cheaper value at ninth round ADP. That's kind of where I would go if I had to. I would avoid the Packers backfield at all costs, in honesty. Um, and the same thing I'm going to say about our next team, I would avoid the Texans backfield at all costs because they have one of the worst ranked offensive lines in the NFL. But the Texans, we'll talk about their backfield as well. If you had to go for one of them, my pick is Foreman. He had a good yard per carry average, 4.19. Of course, the argument against him would be that he had that Achilles tear at the midway point towards the end of the season, which will definitely hold him out for a couple of weeks. He might even start on the pup list. So yeah, of course, there's that availability concern in the first couple of weeks, but I'll be honest with you, if you're taking Miller, Miller was benched at the end of the season, but I still put him above blue on the depth chart. Miller, we know what we're going to get. He's been decent from a yard per carry average standpoint, but with a bad offensive line, I just don't see him with that big play capability. I don't see him offering that upside that Foreman offers, so I would rather wait on the cheaper guy. Lamar Miller is currently going in about the fifth round as opposed to Dante Foreman in the 10th. A lot of that is because you're not going to have Foreman right out at the bat in the beginning of the season. Obviously, Lamar Miller is going to have the, the first attack at the starting lead role, but I just don't see him. He, he's been very underwhelming with that position already, so I don't see him immediately becoming a top tier back out of nowhere. I, I think neither are set up for success with the offensive line being where that's at. But I think if you're going to take a dart throw, I would take the cheaper pick and I would go Dante Foreman. Yeah, there was that whole hype train with Lamar Miller and I fell into it myself when he left the Dolphins and went to the Texans. Everyone was always saying that Lamar Miller is such an efficient back and if he just got the carries, he'd be so good for fantasy. And I completely bought into it. I drafted him in the second round in 2016. He went to the Texans, he got the opportunity, and we didn't see him do much with it. So maybe less of Lamar Miller is more. So maybe working in Deonta Foreman, Alfred Blue a little bit, would make Lamar Miller a better value. But still, going in the fifth round with that uncertainty is not somebody I could touch right now. Especially because, like you said, in the f yeah, he's going in the fifth round. So you might have him for the first couple of weeks, but that's a high equity pick. If you don't have him down the stretch in the playoffs... That's a waste. That's at wasted equity in the fifth round that you could get great value for. You could have a top tier wide receiver or a top tier running back elsewhere at that time. In the tenth round, Dante Foreman. That's not going to be so detrimental to the value of your picks. Yeah, and just for some reference there, here's some guys that are going after Lamar Miller in drafts. Tevin Coleman. You have Ronald Jones, Marshawn Lynch, Dion Lewis, Royce Freeman's going right around the same place. Those are guys that. I think have less threats in that backfield. So before we wrap it up for today, we're going to do what we do every week and do that requested guest topic. This week, it's from the Fantasy Life app. It is mysterious underscore stranger. The question was, what is a tier? And follow up, who is a tier two running back? I'll start off by saying, when I look at who is a first tier, second tier, so on, it's all for me about checking boxes. Now, this is a very general quick summary of how I would go about it. I picked five categories. The first being usage. Usage is defined by plus or minus. Obviously plus means usage is in their favor. They get enough opportunity to support production. Minus usage would be if they do not have the opportunity to support production. The second would be the run, run ability. The third would be the catchability. The fourth would be speed and the fifth would be strength. So for example, the easiest tier to grade would obviously be the first tier because you would check all these boxes. You would have plus usage, you check the run ability, the catchability, the speed, and the strength. That could be seen in our top guys as far as Le'Veon Bell, uh, Todd Gurley, David Johnson. These guys, they bring you everything you want in a running back. Therefore, they're a step above and that puts them as a top tier guy. Moving on to the second tier, you would still have plus usage, you would still have the run and catch ability, but you would probably rely on either speed or strength, not the rare combination of two. And that's not a knock against this type of player, it's just that that's a rare combination. Like I just said, not many players have the ability to be powerful yet fast, like and still have breakaway speed. So relying on one or the other is not a knock against you i'm still saying that you can run or catch but you're just not strong and fast you're kind of one or the other the third tier i would grade as still plus usage but i would say you're either usually one dimensional you either rely on the run or the catch 
You don't you don't do both. You're kind of uh, you know a first or second down back or a third down back, either a bruiser or a scat back, however you want to call it. But you have a combination of speed and strength, so you do have a rare. You're probably a balanced back, is what I would like to call it. That's the three. The three is the balanced back who does one system schematical job the fourth tier would be minus usage and the reason why i say that is because it's minus usage but at the same time you check all the boxes as far as run catch speed and strength so these are guys who like devonta freeman who checks all the boxes he can run strong downhill he can run around you hit jukes and make you miss he's has the run and catch ability but he doesn't get the top tier usage because of Tevin Coleman, because of the split backfield. So this is a guy who feel, falls in that tier for me. He's somebody who, like I said, he can be a top tier guy. He has everything you want as a running back, but he just doesn't get used as a workhorse back. The fifth tier after that, I would say you still have plus usage, but you're really one dimensional. You don't have a combination of skills. You're a power running back or you're a catching, a, a speed catching back and you're really just used in situational football. And then it gets worse from there. You have minus usage with, you know, one-dimensional speed or strength, minus usage with, you know, one-dimensional run or catch. But the top tiers are really separated. I broke those down. Just the lower tiers, I'm not going to get into the details because, you know, those are the guys who are trying, you're trying not to really take or, or avoid taking in the draft process. Yeah, so ultimately the way we divide our tiers is just when we see a clear difference in value between two players that are ranked near each other. So as Dan mentioned, our top tier of running backs are Bell, Gurley, Zeke, and David Johnson. That's an easy first tier to make. No one's really breaking into that conversation for us. In my personal rankings, I have Melvin Gordon starting my second tier of running back. So he's right up there ranked next to those first four guys, but I'm projecting a much different level of production from Melvin Gordon than I am with those first four guys. So just to run through some of the guys in my second tier at the running back position, we have Melvin Gordon, Alvin Kamara, Saquon Barkley, Leonard Fournette, Dalvin Cook, and Kareem Hunt. These are all guys that I'm expecting to be in the elite conversation for the running back position, but just not breaking that top level of talent, opportunity, usage, everything that Dan was speaking on. The final thing that I would like to talk about with tiers is that not all positional tiers are equal. For instance, if you're starting your draft and you're looking at your first tier running backs, quarterbacks, wide receivers, tight ends, the running back position holds more value compared to those other positions. So for instance, I would prefer a tier two or even maybe a tier three running back or wide receiver over a tier one or especially a tier two tight end. The gaps between those tiers at the tight end position are much smaller than the gaps between the running back and wide receiver positions. And the way that you can implement tiers while you're drafting is let's say you're looking at running backs and wide receivers. You want to take one in this round. Let's say there's one tier three running back left and there's four or five tier three wide receivers. Even if the wide receivers are ranked above that running back in your overall rankings, you might want to grab that running back because he's the last one at that level of production that you're projecting. Whereas one of those wide receivers might circle back around to you and you could get the value at the wide receiver position later. So you don't have to reach for guys is ultimately what tiers helps you not do. So thank you, mysterious underscore stranger from the Fantasy Life app. We hope we answered your question. We hope we gave you some good insight on that. We thank you guys for tuning in. Once again, as always, you can follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at FootballMD, or you can visit our website at FootballMDPodcast.com. Thanks, guys, and have a great week. Yeah, guys, thank you for tuning in. Like Dan said, we have a ton of rankings up there, so if there's anyone that we did not discuss but you want to see where we have them ranked, definitely head over to there. We're going to continuously update our rankings every week as the season draws closer, and we're hoping to get you guys some articles giving you more fantasy football content. And definitely be on the lookout for next week's episode where we're going to start our wide receiver rankings with our wide receivers 1 to 12. Thank you, guys, and have a great week.